Corporate Unplugged opens the door to a world of people transforming business. They share their dreams, their experiences, and what they would never give up. I'm so glad to have Mal Steinsvik here. She's the CEO of Bulls Press, a pioneering agency for licensing and editorial content. So Ma, what is your passion and what are your dreams? That's a great question, Vesna. And you know, I have one passion, which is like an underlying layer in everything I do in all my life. And it has to do with bringing people and organizations towards their values, their core, their purposes, and to become more conscious in the present moment. You know, regardless of it being a corporate or a private situation. And my dream would be to do that on a much larger scale and more openly in public. How would that come about? I think it's very much about just daring to speak about it. And I think it's it's such a big awareness growing at the moment, especially in the corporate world, where people in this changing environment... They need something to guide them towards a stability within this changing environment, a way to develop into a future that is very unpredictable. I met the other day with with a guy who is only 18 years old, and uh, I was asking him about his dream. Mm -hmm. And of course, he said, well, you know, I'm young, I might change in in a year or two my ideas. But he was reflecting on the fact that He had so many choices and so many possibilities Mm -hmm. that it was almost overwhelming for him. (laughs) And he just said, maybe I just want an ordinary life and just be happy with whatever what is and, and, you know, find a decent job and do something that I think is important and fun. But, you know, uh, I don't have any huge dreams and huge plans. And and he was almost feeling like, oh, my God, should I have that? Yeah, but I can understand. I can totally relate to the feeling. And I think it has to do with the changing world we live in. I mean, times have always changed. But at the moment, it's very much about changing on a small scale in our private lives. So it's less about what uh, the grand scales, you know, what the society, how society influences us, at least in in our countries. So I think that being here and now, but being here and now in a very conscious way and very much aware of the values you carry, the purpose you think you have, then you can make the right decision here and now. And in the end, you will evolve. So that would be my advice to this 18-year-old boy, to <laughs> enjoy the moment, but be aware and don't just indulge in, in whatever you see in front of you, but really go deep down in yourself and see what, what would you like to accomplish today? And I think his dreams would come true before he would even realize that he had them. I'll tell him. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but what turning point did you have in your life that have influenced you the most? Mm. I think we all have turning points that are somehow hidden to us. But a great eye-opening moment for me was the day I gave birth to my first child. Uh, when I realized that the world is really full of miracles. 
And that in every situation, in every meeting with a person, you can search for that special moment or that special quality that gives a much higher dimension to your whole life. And speaking about turning points, if, if we also take one from my professional life, I would say that a great turning point was the moment I realized what impacts the digitalization will have on our society, on our companies, on our way of living and on us as individuals. And it was interesting, it was quite a long time ago, I think it was about 24 years ago, when I was in Milia in Cannes, a big conference. And I, it was actually a digital conference, but I didn't really know what the world meant back then. And I heard the inventor of the internet, uh, who gave a lecture, at this conference, and it, he, he made a great example, and it's been made so many times after that. He asked everyone in the, in the audience to clap their hands. Uh-huh. And after a while, which was really short, a short while, like not even a minute, we all started clapping at the same pace. And then he said, that's what the internet is all about. And it made me realize that we can use the digitalization in so many good ways. And we can use it in a very democratic way, but also we can use it to make profits. So it's it's something that we should never be afraid of, but something that we should use to fulfill the dreams we have, whether privately or, or in, in the corporate world. What do you believe is the long-term solution for, for business? Uh, is there any particular long-term formula, let's call it, for business? Mm -hmm. I think the long-term formula is really what I spoke about in the beginning. My passion is to, to come back to the purpose of the organization, not to get um, mixed up with numbers, just go back to, okay, what problems are we solving for the people out there? If we do that, and if we do it consistently every day in all our decisions, we will have a long-term solution for the existential problem of the organization. But also to consider the fact that maybe we shouldn't exist forever. I mean, it's not yeah. a goal in its own, is it? Yeah. So, so maybe after a while we, we see that we cannot fulfill uh, the needs of the people are, who are normally our clients. And maybe the organization should cease to exist. And it's not the end of the world. Then we all go out to create new jobs. Maybe we form a new company, a new entity, and the people who do not longer have jobs will just look for new ones. Mm -hmm. And as long as they are open to change and have their core values in all their actions, they will very soon see what they can do to live fully also in their working life. So transform, not to be afraid of change, transform mm -hmm. into something that is needed and important and so on, or kind of cease to exist or be re reborn into something yeah, new. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think throughout my yeah. working life, I've always thought about in every situation, I have to be willing to lose. So if I go in and negotiations, I, I actually love negotiating. I think it's so much fun because you have to use all your interpersonal skills and your analytical skills and combine it real life at the moment, in the moment. And if you 
if you uh, go there and you are willing to lose, then you will always get a much better result because you will be authentic and you will uh, know exactly what you want to. And no matter what happens, you will not step back from that intention. And I think it's the same with the company, that the second we start not being true to our core values because we want to get an extra deal or we want to be sure that we can stay alive as company, then we lose. But if we rather stay true to our values and believe in them, even if the wind starts blowing a little bit and the cash flow starts going down, we will find solutions to that and develop in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And then it's fun as well, and yeah. you unleash creativity. <laughs> That's so true. But if you would assume that all your doors are open and all resources are available, what would you innovate or change? I would solve the energy problem for the world instantly. I think it's so important that we get clean and cheap energy worldwide. And the sun keeps giving us this energy. And at the moment, if you're looking at all the innovations taking place, that's where we have much of the really interesting development. And if we could combine the solving of the energy with education. I was in Sri Lanka a couple of days ago, and if you could give a child access to unlimited energy, a smartphone where he could be connected to the internet, he or she could learn everything there is to know just by looking at his phone. But the energy is, is crucial. And if we don't focus on that, we will have much more work just cleaning up the world instead of indulging in, in an exciting future. There is growing awareness about wanting to, uh, to be true to your purpose, but also to contributing to the world. Right. And I think the days are really counted, the days are limited when, when yeah. we only maximize profit without thoughts of the world, without thoughts of giving back. Yes. Which really has to do with the internet as well, because consumers will, they will look how the companies they buy goods from, products and services, how they contribute. And if they don't, yeah. they will stop buying. Yeah. I think also that with the growing possibilities to for everyone to learn things and to get information, to look things up, to ask questions, we will see from the inside and out, an urge to create a better educational system that is not only based on learning facts, but to really think long-term, to value other things than the material. I think natural science will be a great servant for mankind in getting more human. But we need to reverse having natural science as a new god, new religion. I believe in, in the power of the individual. And I think that with a possibility to get all the information that is available in the world, this will come naturally. If you assume that you have all possibilities for your own company right now, what would you then change or, or innovate? I would instantly give everyone who works for me much more access to information about what's happening out there, the transformation, 
And I mean, the information is, of course, already available, but the time is not. And I think that's an issue for almost all organizations at the moment, that we're so wound up in just getting the daily tasks done that we create more work for ourselves than necessary. If we could just back away a little bit, all of us, and see what development has taken place that can help us do the things we want to do and what possibilities there are out there where we could apply them. If people had enough time to do that, we would uh, get this entrepreneurial spirit in everyone, not just in, in the leadership. And this would really quickly change the way my organization works and the way every organization works. So that's a good task for me next <laughs> week. <laughs> yeah. If you could give one piece of advice to leaders, however you choose to define leaders, what would it be? Oh, I think my advice would be to believe that the person you are is really okay uh, with your good sides and your bad sides and be willing to share them with others, especially the bad sides. Be authentic. I think a lot of people tend to uh, think that they need to play a role in a leading position, that they need to certain attributes, certain way of speaking, giving orders, asking questions, and they need to look as superman or superwoman in every situation. But when you do that, you create people around you who will not be able to solve problems themselves and who will sooner or later see through your disguise and be disappointed. So I would advise to show them who you are and show yourself who you are and, and go by that feeling. So, but how would you describe what is a good leader today, especially in this environment we have? That's a difficult question. I would say, you know, the definition of a guru, <laughs> the definition of a guru is someone who you meet in the forest when you got lost and who will tell you the way home, pointing out the direction without walking you there. And I would say that the same goes for a leader. Yeah. That's a good definition, yeah. You have to believe in the ability people have to learn and to solve problems for themselves. Yeah. But you'll need to always be there to listen to them yeah. without thinking about yourself, just being an open ear and listen and, and help them to somehow listen to what they have to say, put the right questions, I guess. And giving them the resources to carry out the answers. I've often uh, thought about people, you know, doing uh, HR work or culture mm -hmm. work in in medium or big size companies, and uh, I wonder if there would be a good way to get like a blueprint of each person you have on board in a company, which means for me that you know who they are, what they are interested and passionate about and uh, what drives them to know a little bit more maybe about on, on a you know on a private level about them what is really the driver behind and if you know that of 
every individual in the company. <laughs> I was great. thinking, Jesus, then you know exactly how to, <laughs> in a good way, use that talent or interest or passion yes. to your advantage, to the company's advantage, mm. and it becomes a pure win-win. Mm. And how I was thinking, how difficult can it be? I've worked also in many companies and oftentimes you end up in structured input that you give about yourself, mm. but you never really touch upon those points about what is really passionately driving you. What are you interested in? Or what do you think of your mm. about yourself? Mm. And to be transparent in that kind of dialogue and not answer because it fits a certain agenda mm. in the company, but answer because you want to be true to yourself. Yeah. And then probably magic could happen. Yeah, you're right. If people couldn't disguise themselves because everyone yeah. already knew yeah. who they are. Yeah. yeah, and that sort of leads up to, I think, another important part of being a leader, that you need all the time to communicate the purpose of the organization and you need to reshape it a little bit, adapt it, to the now that we are existing in at the moment and the next now and so on together with your team, of course. But you need to carry this, this um, torch, you know, you need to carry the torch, the fire, the passion within the company and show everyone that these are our core values and you need to really stay true to them. So there is a, an important moral aspect of being a leader. If you were to give advice to yourself 15 years ago, what would it be? Oh, that would have been so great if I could have done that. My advice to myself would be to schedule time for reflection, schedule time for sleep, <laughs> for uh, getting new knowledge to regain energy is vital to any leader. Because you need to give so much all the time. And you always risk finding yourself in a situation where you don't have anything more to, to give simply because you never recharged yourself. Mm -hmm. So that would really be my strongest advice to myself. And uh, what do you think uh, people do when they... Uh feel that they are kind of recharged or so, uh, apart from, of course, uh, you know, physical needs like sleeping mm -hmm. and, and uh, healthy mm -hmm. eating and, um, and sports and stuff. But where, I mean, it's, I guess it's individual where people mm -hmm. go to, to get that kind of inspiration, yeah. but what's natural for you? Where, where did you, how do you recharge? Uh, oh, I have, I have uh, a lot of ways to recharge. One is the family, because I think the connection to people is something that, it's not only a basic need, but it's something that is vital to your whole personal development. And if you look at people who are alone, how destructive that is, you will see that the life expectancy, for instance, goes down for them. So, so that's one of them, being with my family. And, and the second one is being in nature. But uh, apart from that, I have a great tool, and that is yoga and meditation so I'm actually practicing a practicing yoga teacher as well in my spare time. And by, by practicing yoga, I get focus and I also learn how to keep my, my own feelings, my own reactions under control. So in situations, challenging situations in my working life, I can more and more learn to dis distinguish between the appropriate reaction 
to a situation and a reaction that I have because of fear or, or a need to be needed by others or get accomplishment from others. Mm. I think it also makes me more present in the moment with people, but also with solving problems. So I can sort of back away a little bit from the situation and from the problem. Mm -hmm. How do you normally react if something uh, unexpected is happening or somebody is, you know, presenting a, a, a challenge or a problem in a, in a way that is drastic and, and kind of too overwhelming? And what do you typically do in such a situation? I get uh, focused. I get totally focused and look for solutions rather than thinking about the problem. But I think that after a while, I will ask for some time to think about it. So first, just handle the imminent situation. Often such a situation has to do with the reaction of others, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, a person will be enraged or uh, something has happened which a person deems very negative. But if you get some time to just think about the situation and back away from it, you will often find that you can, you can divide the big problem up into smaller parts and you can start taking care of, of each one mm -hmm. instead of, of creating a chaos, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. within the problem. Yeah, and then spend the I would say the the energy on on uh, as you say dividing up pieces of the problem and and finding strategies solutions mm. and put the energy there rather than worrying where this might even lead you know yes. to even a worse scenario because yeah, right. we we can get terribly creative there <laughs> yeah and it was something that I learned at a very young age when I was working in Germany and I met a culture which was very male-dominated, and it was very much focused towards who was to blame and how did we get there. Yeah. And I think often you, people speak a lot about learning from best practices, but I would say that my biggest lessons have been learning from bad practices, and probably the top one has been my own practices. What do you think is the most important thing for companies to focus on right now? Companies need to focus on their purpose and their values. It's the only thing that will make us survive in the long run. And we need to see that our company goals need to be a combination of corporate goals, such as profitability, and of um, goals that has to do with morale and giving back to society. And it's something that is really of commercial value, like we spoke about before, that people will check up on the suppliers or, or the companies they buy from. And if we don't contribute, someone else out there who, who offers the service just as good will contribute yeah. and we will lose our clients. And uh, do you think the shape and form that companies now, or organizations for that matter, have How will that change, you know, in five or ten years from now and so on? We already now see that 
big entities are having problems mm. adapting and, and, and so on and, and transforming into something mm. better, something that is more needed yeah. to be relevant and to be uh, part of some kind of change or impact. Mm. And it seems like everybody's pointing into, into the direction that via, as you say, digitalization and tech companies, tech-driven companies, as if they're the solution to everything. Mm. And to some point that might be true, but at the same time, People are starting to work more in community-based companies yeah, and organizations. Right. So yeah. they are more seem more to be like an, an alive mm-hmm. organism mm-hmm. Uh, that is adapting and, and changing shape and form all the time, mm-hmm. which sounds like something very beautiful and, and mm-hmm. natural. But on the other hand, I might think that some people who have different roles and specialities within their professional role might be scared of this because if everything is a constant change, then who mm. are we and what we know mm. and how do you maintain that or how do you, you know, adapt uh, mm. accordingly? Um, yeah, and that's interesting and we don't really know, do we? Yeah, yeah. And probably we will see, first of all, an evolvement or a development in steps. So it will not change from one day to the other. And we will see that companies will be different in the way they are organized and we will see combinations. So I think a lot of companies need need a stable core of people working for them. And at the same time, they will need all this sort of module-based input from specialists from all different countries and categories and different occupations, really. And I think we actually have a lot to learn from science there, how scientists work. If you see how they they are tied to a university or to to a certain institution, and they will have colleagues all over the world working on the same problems as they do. And they still have a lot of competition, of course, within the science community. But in the in the places where it works well, for instance, in some parts where they're developing medicine for, for diseases, you will see pools of scientists exchange information and put it into the pool and everyone is free to use it. Sort of like an open source development of any scientific problem. And I think if we can adapt that model into, into an organization in, in the corporate world, we will get a very quick and flexible result and also very happy people working with us. Mm-hmm. So it could be that each um, company could take initiative if it doesn't exist or be part of, let's call it like a platform mm-hmm. where you can cooperate, you can go in and out of it and yeah. pick up the information or the facts or, mm-hmm. or any kind of impressions that you need to feed your organization with in order to stay relevant or on top of things and, uh, and drive a certain maybe change together yes. as a sector instead of mm-hmm. viewing each other as competitors. Exactly. Uh, and lots of this is, is, is happening in, in different places, uh, I, I know, but uh, I don't know if I've seen that happening uh, here in Sweden, maybe? Mm. I think, no, I haven't seen it here, but I think... If you look in the computer programming world, for instance, and what's happening in in artificial intelligence and virtual reality, you will see maybe not not so fixed organization of such pools, but 
it will be more like conferences or hubs where people come together. Like you have this meetup.com where people just organize big coming togethers and exchange information. But I, I think also that that the organization, the company, the individual company will in a way be such a pool for the people who work for them. So in the company, you will have the resources that everyone needs and you will have them very available for everyone. And you will have work, co-workers who are placed in, in any country in the world but who just fit in to what you're doing at the moment. And you will work with them for as long as they find it relevant and you find it relevant. So it will be much more like a matching. You know, it's not like I, I, I'm looking for this job and it's a long process and the HR department will let you go through, you know, the tests and after three months you will know if you have the job or not. But much quicker, just tying people on to solving a problem. And if you like working together, you will probably move on to different projects. I saw such a platform which had to do with risk analysis and also with big data analytics. So it was like an Airbnb for, <laughs> for people who were specialized in big data analysts. And they would, uh, they would take on a task and then move away. And this is sort of like a new form of, of company or organization. So this combined with a traditional long-term working together relationship, I think will be what we see more of in the future. I recently spoke to a friend of mine who applied for a job uh, in, a, in a very popular company here in Stockholm. And uh, they asked her to do a test, which is more or less like an intelligence test. Mm -hmm. And she's incredibly talented in many, many ways. But she said that they were just uh, saying, thank you for your interest, uh, um, might see you another time. So whatever happened in that test mm -hmm. determined their wish to you know meet with her or not mm. they don't even know who that person is oh, it's just a name with the test they started the whole thing with the test and i'm just thinking what does that say about that company <laughs> or do they yeah. have a fantastic test that yeah. nobody knows about that is is has proven to be 99 <laughs> bulletproof yeah I, i'm just amazed and astonished mm -hmm. and i'm just thinking you know what's your take on on that Well, I think that if you look at the future where 53% of the jobs we have might disappear because of digitalization and the jobs that will stay will be the ones with a human component in it. I would say that this test is maybe to believing a little bit too much in what the digital tools can do for us. Because if you look at, at for instance, Google, how they create good and, and entrepreneurial, innovative working environment, they focus not on the individuals, but on the groups. So how can we get the groups to work together? So if you make a test with one individual and you look at only that individual, you will never know if your friend, if she would have been fantastic in the team that needed her. You will never know because the test will only evaluate her And it will evaluate her the way she is now. But what if she got access to all this information that you have inside the organization? How could she develop? Yeah. 
And I think this is something I've seen very much in my own organization, how much people can grow. And when you speak about the digital generation, my experience is that any person can be part of the digital generation if you find their passion points. So why are they working for us? What's driving them and what are they really interested in? And if you can show them how they can use uh, the digital tools, but also the digital possibilities, they will learn even if they're 65 years old. True. What do you think the world needs most at this time? That's a big question, Vesna. <laughs> but I think it's actually the same thing that the world has needed for a long time. And that's peace and compassion. What we really need in the world right now is people understanding each other, reaching out to each other, innovating together, sharing knowledge and taking care of our world together. And I'm also thinking about the negative power that fear has mm -hmm. over everyone and everything. Yeah. That it's so, um, I think also via media and so on, we are so used to somehow seeing things, you know, black or white, mm -hmm. having this, uh, there's no uh, nuance in between. There is no, mm -hmm. you know, what is mm -hmm. bad, good or bad. There's yeah. nothing in between. And this, if we could somehow get rid of that fear yeah. <laughs> and just uh, be pointed in the direction of all the possibilities, all the opportunities and be fed mm. with that kind of input on a daily basis mm. would hopefully also make a good difference. And I'm not blaming journalists or so, but I'm just saying their working conditions are very much conditioned by the fact that they need to get mm. a black and white story out there in order to, and it's actually we who are to blame because we are the ones reading these kind of news <laughs> and there are yeah. experiments and there are a lot of magazines and newspapers that have tried the good angle, but mm. the number of readers has mm. proven to be, you know, not yeah. significant. You, you so, want to read about the negative sides, don't you? Yeah, and yeah. why are we attracted by that? And, you know, mm. so, but that's, a, I guess, a philosophical question. I just uh, was just thinking that we need to get as far as possible away from fear, mm. which is normally uh, sometimes used by people also as a strategy mm. to make people do whatever they want them to do. Yes, maybe uh, if we realize that we have fear inside of us, all of us, if we are really authentic, that we we also scrutinize ourselves to find the fears, we can always be brave, can't we? I mean, so yeah, even yeah. if you feel fear, you can decide to be brave and and choose not to be distracted by it. So I once heard someone say, you know, I get these feelings all the time, but I don't have to do anything about it. So can we be courageous and open instead of being judgmental? We will create a world very quickly that is solving long-term problems instead of focusing on the short-term ones. Thank you, Ma, for this uh, great dialogue and for, for sharing everything. To find out more about Ma and her work, head to bullspress.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time, live with purpose and remember to unplug. Ciao.